0: War and Peace, Book Fifteen, Chapter Fifteen, read for LibriVox.org by Nathan King. At the end of January, Pierre went to Moscow and stayed in an annex of his house which had not been burned. He called on Count Rostopchin and on some acquaintances who were back in Moscow, and he intended to leave for Petersburg two days later. Everybody was celebrating the victory. Everything was bubbling with life in the ruined but reviving city. Everyone was pleased to see Pierre, everyone wished to meet him, and everyone questioned him about what he had seen. Pierre felt particularly well disposed toward them all, but was now instinctively on his guard for fear of binding himself in any way. To all questions put to him, whether important or quite trifling, such as, Where would he live? Was he going to rebuild? When was he going to Petersburg? And would he mind taking a parcel for someone? He replied, Yes, perhaps. Or, I think so, and so on. He had heard that the Rostovs were at Kostroma, but the thought of Natasha seldom occurred to him. If it did, it was only as a pleasant memory of the distant past. He felt himself not only free from social obligations, but also from that feeling which, it seemed to him, he had aroused in himself. On the third day after his arrival, he heard from the Dubretskoys that Princess Mary was in Moscow. The death sufferings, and last days of Prince Andrew had often occupied Pierre's thoughts, and now recurred to him with fresh vividness. Having heard at dinner that Princess Mary was in Moscow, and living in her house, which had not been burned, in Vos Divizhenka street, he drove that same evening to see her. On his way to the house, Pierre kept thinking of Prince Andrew, of their friendship, of his various meetings with him, and especially of the last one at Borodino. Is it possible that he died in the bitter frame of mind he was then in? Is it possible that the meaning of life was not disclosed to him before he died, thought Pierre. He recalled Kuretev, and his death, and involuntarily began to compare these two men, so different, and yet so similar, in that they had both lived and both died, and in the love he felt for both of them. Pierre drove up to the house of the old prince in a most serious mood. The house had escaped the fire, it showed signs of damage, but its general aspect was unchanged. The old footman, who met Pierre with a stern face as if wishing to make the visitor feel that the absence of the old prince had not disturbed the order of things in the house, informed him that the princess had gone to her own apartments, and that she received on Sundays. "'Announce me. Perhaps she will see me,' said Pierre. "'Yes, sir,' said the man. "'Please step into the portrait gallery.' A few minutes later the footman returned, with this solace who brought a word from the princess that she would be very glad to see Pierre if he would excuse her want of ceremony and come upstairs to her apartment. In a rather low room lit by one candle sat the princess, and with her another person dressed in black. Pierre remembered that the princess always had lady companions, but who they were and what they were like he never knew or remembered. This must be one of her companions, he thought, glancing at the lady in the black dress. The princess rose quickly to meet him, and held out her hand. "'Yes,' she said, looking at his altered face after he had kissed her hand. "'So this is how we meet again. "'He spoke of you even at the very last,' she went on, "'turning her eyes from Pierre to her companion "'with a shyness that surprised him for an instant. "'I was so glad to hear of your safety. "'It was the first piece of good news we had received for a long time.' "'Again the princess glanced around at her companion "'with even more uneasiness in her manner, "'and was about to add something, but Pierre interrupted her. "'Just imagine, I knew nothing about him,' he said. I thought he had been killed. All I know I heard at second hand from others. I only know that he fell in with the Rostovs. What a strange coincidence. Pierre spoke rapidly and with animation. He glanced once at the companion's face, saw her attentive and kindly gaze fixed on him, and, as often happens when one is talking, felt somehow that this companion in the black dress was a good, kind, excellent creature who would not hinder his conversing freely with Princess Mary. But when he mentioned the Rostovs, Princess Mary's face expressed still greater embarrassment. She again glanced rapidly from Pierre's face to that of the lady in the black dress, and said, Do you really not recognize her? Pierre looked again at the companion's pale, delicate face with its black eyes and peculiar mouth, and something near to him, long forgotten and more than sweet, looked at him from those attentive eyes. But no, it can't be, he thought. This stern, thin, pale face that looks so much older. It cannot be she. It merely reminds me of her. But at that moment Princess Mary said, "'Natasha!' And with difficulty, effort, and stress, like the opening of a door grown rusty on its hinges, a smile appeared on the face with the attentive eyes, and from that opening door came a breath of fragrance which suffused Pierre with a happiness he had long forgotten and of which he had not even been thinking, especially at that moment. It suffused him, seized him, and enveloped him completely, When she smiled, doubt was no longer possible. It was Natasha, and he loved her. At that moment, Pierre involuntarily betrayed to her, to Princess Mary, and above all to himself, a secret of which he himself had been unaware. He flushed joyfully, yet with painful distress. He tried to hide his agitation, but the more he tried to hide it, the more clearly, clearer than any words could have done, did he betray to himself, to her, and to Princess Mary that he loved her. "'No, it's only the unexpectedness of it,' thought Pierre. "'But as soon as he tried to continue the conversation he had begun with Princess Mary, "'he again glanced at Natasha, and a still deeper flush suffused his face, "'and a still stronger agitation of mingling joy and fear seized his soul. "'He became confused in his speech and stopped in the middle of what he was saying. "'Pierre had failed to notice Natasha because he did not at all expect to see her there, "'but he had failed to recognize her because the change in her since he last saw her was immense.' She had grown thin and pale, but that was not what made her unrecognizable. She was unrecognizable at the moment he entered, because on that face whose eyes had always shone with a suppressed smile of the joy of life, now, when he first entered and glanced at her there, was not the least shadow of a smile. Only her eyes were kindly attentive, and sadly interrogative. Pierre's confusion was not reflected by any confusion on Natasha's part but only by the pleasure that just perceptibly lit up her whole face. End of chapter fifteen. This recording is in the public domain.